0: Let's dive into improving our state of being. The bonus series COVID-19 from the front lines continues today with Dr. Leslie Trapeza coming to us from the Pacific Northwest, an area that has been pretty hard hit by this pandemic. She has some really great insights from a family medicine with OB focus perspective. Enjoy and share with those who you feel might benefit. Here we go. I'm so excited to bring you a dear friend of mine, Dr. Leslie Trapeza. I just love that I'm bringing her on here because I've actually known Leslie since forever, like like young, formative years, high school years, and we stayed in touch. She actually went to medical school with my husband, and we've just been able to stay connected either geographically because we lived in the same area or a similar area in the Pacific Northwest, and then, of course, social media keeps us connected. And I know that she is a wealth of knowledge and she comes to us from the Pacific Northwest and is sort of in the middle of it because she is a family practice physician with an OB focus. So we'll have her kind of talk a little bit about that focus because we haven't talked about that yet. So thank you so much for being here, Leslie. Thank you, Claudia, for having me. I'm so excited to be on your
1: podcast.
0: Yeah, we finally connected. I'm so excited, not necessarily excited that we're having to talk about this topic, but I know that you have so many insights to share, so I'm I'm happy to bring this to the people. So let's just kind of start with a little bit about um, your, your focus, uh, sort of the work that you do in family practice, mixing that with OB, just to give a little bit of a background to people. Sure. Um
1: I am family medicine trained. That is what I did my residency in and then I did an extra year in OB fellowship in order to do um surgical obstetrics, high risk deliveries. So I'm I do pretty much everything, like full scope family medicine as well as delivering babies and I would say about 30 to 40% of my patient panel is is OB. The rest is made up of um adults with chronic issues, young families. I get to see the babies grow up and, and be kids. And um, I have several patients in my practice that I've known now over eight to nine years. And so I'm you know, delivering their second babies, third babies with them. And um, it's been so awesome. I, I feel like I've got one of the coolest jobs because I get to see it all and and get to know the families and and all the members of the families you know the The wives bring their husbands to me and then the grandparents come and it's just really, really cool and rewarding for me.
0: I so love the work you do, and I know that you're so loved and appreciated in your community as you are in our personal friend community, so I really do appreciate you and the really genuine approach you have to medicine so we all love you let's go ahead and dive into some just sort of basics so what are your thoughts around the concept of the current pandemic and the similarity or not similarity to the flu so there's a you know two sort of bodies of of thought that this is just another flu why are we stressing out versus let's take this seriously and not take it for granted that this is another flu so what are your thoughts around that Right. So
1: when we first got word of the coronavirus, I think all of us in the medical community knew how serious it was. And it bothered us that in social media and, and different news outlets, we'd hear, oh, this is just like a cold. Oh, this is just like another flu. Uh, because 80% of uh, patients will only have mild symptoms. But you know, we can see the studies coming out of China and the the main thing with this is that it is what we call a novel virus, meaning this is completely new to our bodies, new to our systems. We have no defense. Our bodies have not built any antibodies to it. Unlike the common cold that comes through every winter or the flu, your body can recognize some of those parts of that virus because it's already seen something similar. Um, but with this new coronavirus, we don't have any of that, so everyone can catch it. And uh, what we're seeing is that the elderly and patients with comorbidities such as high blood pressure and diabetes have an increased risk of getting more severe disease. And we're still trying to figure out why. Um, another thing that makes it different is it is been found to be ten times more deadly than the flu. You know, you'll see reports that oh, this many people die of the flu. Um, every year. So why are we so freaked out about this? Um, We're finding that this virus is more contagious and it spreads faster over a shorter amount of time. The typical flu season is September to April. And so we will see just like a slower influx of patients needing um, critical care. But with this virus, with it spreading so much faster and patients being able to spread it and be contagious even before they're showing symptoms, what that means is we are going to get an influx of people that need critical care at the same time. So us in the medical community, we, we see the potential for exponential spread, and then a huge influx of patients needing to be in the ICU, needing ventilators all at the same time. And we know that we can't can we we can't take care of all of those patients. There's just not enough supplies, not enough healthcare workers, and then we have to take into account the possibility that we may get sick too. And you know, and what would happen then? You know, if you don't have the manpower, um, it does affect kids to a lesser degree. And so, I have also heard patients saying. Well, I'm not so worried because I don't think I'll get really sick, and at least it doesn't hit kids. But the kids, you know, they are probably the um, most potential for being vectors of this, meaning they touch everything. You know, they put everything in their mouths, they touch you, they hug you, which is what we love about them, but they can definitely spread it. And if you can spread it when you're not even showing symptoms, we have to take care and make sure our, um, our Our kids stay well, too,
0: um, think, yeah, yeah, such important points, um and I didn't mean to cut you off. Did you have more to say on that? Oh, no, that was pretty much it, I okay, think. no, I think they're really important points because I think there's been a lot of confusion or also differing bodies of thoughts on the you know stopping school situation, and if kids are fine, then why are we doing that? and I think it's just important to remember that they are walking around as vectors, even if they look completely fine. And we are obviously so grateful and thankful that they are faring this pandemic well, but it doesn't mean that they can't then impact their grandparents or their parents or their great grandparents. So exactly. really important points. Let's talk a little bit about sort of the self-triage process. So you being in family medicine um, and you also being a part of a, a team that's trying to anticipate what's coming, what are some of the things that people at home should think of as far as their symptoms, what to do with those symptoms, what not to do, like maybe not rush to the ER, and what to do with sort of like routine um, medical visits that might be on their calendar, but are not necessarily worth the possible risk. Right. That's super important. Um, the, the
1: tricky thing about this virus and the time that it is coming through is that it is for the, for 80% of people will be mild and it will feel like a cold or it'll feel like allergies. Um, they're finding that only only about 40% are actually having the fever, um, otherwise, it feels like a typical cold, the sneezing, the coughing, the runny nose, the sore throat. Um, and what you should be watching for, the the symptoms that are the most worrisome are the severe shortness of breath. It, it might be tricky for asthmatics because they may have a little bit of shortness of breath kind of at baseline. But, you know, say you're asthmatic and you try your albuterol and it's, and it's okay and you are able to get by then, you know, just just treat it like a cold if things are mild, you know, rest, drink lots of fluids, you know, vitamin C and zinc, those immune boosters are still good. Uh, you can take Tylenol if you've got a fever. Um, but what you are looking for is severe, severe shortness of breath. That's when you really should seek some medical attention. And then if you're not short, sure, you know, you can always call your primary care doctor and they can advise you what to do. They can talk you through your symptoms and try and gauge how severe they are and if you should be seen. Um, basically what we're trying to do is keep patients out of ERs and urgent cares. I mean, that is the last place you want to be right now unless you really need the help because you're think, thinking about a lot of sick people all in one space and maybe this is just a so cold and you don't want to put yourself in a position where you could contract it by sitting in those lobbies. So, you know, only if you are really having trouble breathing is when you should leave your home and, and seek medical care attention. Yeah. And just, and just know if you're not sure you've got your primary care uh, physician uh, or
0: team member that is triaging over the phone. I think really important that you pointed out to not rush to the ER if the symptoms are mild, because I think and there's a lot of fear when you watch the news, and that's what a lot of people are trying to do when they're home and, and stay informed. And so the fear may lead you to say, well, this could exponentially get worse very quickly. I, I should think- just rush over to the ER. But but it's a good point to say, like this might just be the pollen in the air, you know, that's happening right mm-hmm. now in Florida, or it could be that you have a cold and you didn't have it, but you're going to potentially get exposed if you go that route. So just thinking through those things before fear takes takes over. What about those with the um, appointments coming up that might be routine? Maybe it's the annual well visit, maybe it's a six-month checkup on blood sugar. What, what are your thoughts on that? Right. Um, what we are advising right now is to
1: to cancel and reschedule anything that is non-essential. So some of these visits, um, we're just pushing out. We don't really know when things will return to normal. So for now, at least in my own clinic, we're pushing things out for about a month. Um, a lot of this stuff, which you know, n- which is good, can be done over the phone. Uh, say it's a diabetic follow-up. We can go over your blood sugars on the phone. Um, and let you know if we need to adjust insulin, adjust medications. Um, So yeah, right now, I know a lot of dental offices, if not all, have gone to emergency only. So only the essential. So what we're doing in our own clinic is for our OB or obstetric patients, we are still considering that essential, but we're spreading the visits out. We're trying to bring patients in 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 a cohort, meaning all OB one provider will see all of the OB patients, and then they're good for a month. Um, trying to minimize mixing sick and non-sick patients as much as possible, um, and annual visits. You know, it, it's it's going to be okay if you have to put your Pap smear off for another month or two. Um, so yes, only non, only the. Um, essential ones. So that can also be triaged over the phone too. If you're not sure, just call in. And at least in our clinic, we are dividing things up. Like if there's respiratory patients, we've set up a drive-through where they can go, you know, it's all out outside. We don't want to bring our patients into the clinic and the clinic lobby. So they're going through the drive-through where they can be screened by a provider who is in full PPE and um, they'll decide that provider we'll decide if they need to be tested for flu, if they need to be tested for coronavirus, if, you know, strep, anything, anything like that. Um, But I would highly recommend putting off um, the non-essentials, at least until we figure out, you know, how long this is going to last. And I think that's going to be true for most clinics across the country, moving to phone visits, virtual visits. Um, If you are lucky enough to have a doctor that does video visits, you know, they can that's even better. You know, they can can look at you and you can show them a rash or whatever, you
0: know, over video. Yeah, really good points. And I mean, I would almost go to the point of saying if you're not sure or if, you're, if your practice hasn't made that call or decision, um, you know, maybe you can think through as we've just kind of talked about whether... You know, if this is just a yearly visit, or if it is the you know the mammogram or the pap smear, um, but but your clinic hasn't made the call and they're bringing everybody in. I mean, I you know you could proactively make that call and move it back a month um, on your own if if you aren't sure if that's the right call. Obviously, talk to your office. But I think that most people are moving towards this. There may be states that still have very few cases who haven't made those decisions, and then it might be something that you could think about and talk with your physician or nurse practitioner, whomever you see about to see if it would make sense to push that back. So just good food for thought, even for those areas that maybe aren't hit as bad quite yet and haven't made those decisions just to know what is happening in areas that have are, are a little bit further along in the process because of their volume of cases. So really great information. What about, since you have an OB focus, I think it's important for people and you do some hospital work. I think it's important for people to start to get um, in a state of knowing and expecting what might be happening in hospitals around the country, as this becomes a larger issue in the U S and already is, but as far as visitation. So if you or a family member, and maybe it's, you know, a a woman in your family, and maybe it's yourself who's pregnant, what are you, what should they anticipate with regard to visitation with other family members um, and the limitation of that and just kind of getting uh, uh, your mind around the fact that it's not going to look the same as our typical everyday labor and delivery or even hospital stay.
1: Right, absolutely. I mean, this is an unprecedented time. I mean, and it has been really stressful. And and I think that you know, patients should be aware that these restrictions are in order to protect them. When you're in the hospital, you're pretty much at the most vulnerable state you will be in. And so a lot of hospitals have made restrictions on how many visitors a patient can have. Um, most are down to one. You know, one support person during labor. Some hospitals maybe two, um, and then if you've got a, a family member in the hospital, just you know, on on the med surge unit, just an adult, they're limiting it to just one. And at each entrance of the hospital, there will likely be someone to take your temperature. And if you have a fever or if you have a cough, you won't be allowed in. And that's really just to protect our you know, most vulnerable uh, community members at this time. Uh, so, if you've got someone in, you know, family member in the hospital, I would, I was de- designate one family member to be kind of the spokesperson and the visitor that keeps everybody updated. Um, and and yeah, being pregnant, I can't, I can't imagine, you know, this, the stress, you know, that that our patients must feel right now. But, you know, I, I want them to know that we are doing these things to keep them safe and, and that we will be there for them. You know, our nurses are amazing at our own birth center and, and do a wonderful job of, of being the support person and, and coaching through labor. And, and uh, yeah, I'm super fortunate to work with uh, the people that I do work with. They're just so compassionate and adaptable and just really, really smart. And, and yeah, uh, Yeah, there's going to be a lot of changes, and it's hard to know how long this will last, but uh, definitely most, I believe most hospitals will go down to one, one visitor and be ready to be
0: screened at the door. Yeah, I think that's important for people to just anticipate, not in a you know sort of fear-mongering way like, oh, you right. know, I'm just anticipating this horrible limitation of visitation, but just to think right. through, okay, if I am pregnant and I am due in the next month or even two months, I may uh-huh. have the potential of not having a visitor or having one visitor and who might that be and just being prepared because obviously when you go into labor, that's not, not the time you necessarily want to make that decision. So maybe just thinking through right. that now would relieve some of that burden and stress. All right. I am so happy to bring all of this to the listeners. And I think that this will be really insightful for a lot of people, especially those who are in areas that haven't been hit quite as hard and they haven't seen these changes being made yet. What are some of your final sort of parting pearls of wisdom, um, insights from either what you've seen on the front lines or just in anticipation of what's coming? I think that... Uh, the news can get a little bit bombarded by some exaggerations and sensationalizations. And I think it's just nice to have somebody who is calmly talking from the front lines and is able to just give us real life tips. So any tips for people with regard to, you know, prevention, um, whether at home or when they do have to go out to the grocery store, uh, maybe even things like what um, some thoughts on, on specifically pregnant women should be considering. So any just kind of parting thoughts. Sure. Um yeah, I think bottom line, try
1: not to panic. I know it's so hard to say that, you know, when when the news is so sensationalized, but you know, in in a way I've kind of viewed this as a time to slow down and I have been so grateful for the opportunity to just hang out with my kids. I mean, being a busy family a family doc that also does OB and also takes call, um, I and, and then having to kind of just, just slow down and stay at home and hang out with my kids has been really great. So, I mean, I would recommend that people just take time for self-care, you know, take the opportunity to... To to just slow down, maybe get that grumpy teenager that you've got at home away from the screen and reconnect with them. Take this opportunity while they're home from school to just get to know them and and do things as a family. Um, yes, my main point: stay at home and try to minimize trips to the to the grocery store, to the pharmacy. Try and bundle everything you may need to you know, go out maybe once every week or two weeks if you can. Um, also, you know, just call your doctor if you're unsure about anything. Um, and then as far as like, when you do go out, I have seen some people using masks, but using them incorrectly, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, not, not covering their nose, you know, you need to cover your nose too, and then touching their face and then touching other things. And, and, um, you know, I think masks, there's something nothing wrong with doing it if you're gonna if you're gonna do it correctly. Um, the importance also of just washing your hands with soap and water. Uh, we know that this virus is double lipid coated, meaning that there is a fat layer around it, and the soap will break down that fat layer and And that's why we really recommend using soap and water scrubbing for twenty seconds. And then if that's not available to you, then hand sanitizer with at least you know seventy percent alcohol is is good and then also you know cleaning uh frequently touched surfaces around your house you know just um wiping everything down that everybody's touching uh and then right now you know don't maybe you know don't have visitors over you know just use FaceTime use Skype to reconnect with people uh in your family and and your friends um there are so many other ways that we can connect as a global community that doesn't You know, involve congregating in groups, and and you know maybe this is just a time to to reconnect with our families. Everything just feels so disjointed. You know, just use this opportunity to take a step back and just reconnect with yourselves, reconnect with your families, and with nature. I mean, that is an awesome thing too. Uh, Outside is not canceled. You know, sunshine is not canceled. (laughs) You know, get outside, breathe some fresh air, get some sunshine. You know, that is awesome for your immune system too. So.
0: Yes, I love all of it. I that's what I tell people. I'm like, you don't have to lice all the trees. Just go outside. <laughs> it's just so refreshing to be able to go outside and not real not have a surface to have to spray down or wipe down. And I think a lot of this too is just getting back to the basics, you know? Like we aren't we aren't used to just being. And so this right. is a great opportunity to just be instead of do and it yes. maybe took us to be forced to do this, to realize how amazing it is to just be. So so take that as an opportunity. And um, I do think it's important to point out what you did about the masks when you're out, is that it's okay if you want to go that route, but use them the right way. Cover what you need to cover, nose and mouth, but then no- note and be aware of the fact that when you do have something on your face, you're more likely to touch your face because you're moving it around. <laughs> it's itching. Right. And so so just kind of being aware of that, that if that's if you're noticing that, that you're touching your face more because of the mask, then then you know, either decide if you don't want to wear it or just be able to stop yourself before you're doing that, because that's obviously defeating some of the purpose. So thank you exactly. so much, Dr. Drapiza. I am so thankful for all of your insights and pearls of wisdom and especially your time, because I think that it time is a valuable resource and you being on the front lines um i know that and with my husband being on the front lines too it's uh we don't get a whole lot of time so i I appreciate you dedicating uh this time to us and our listeners you are so welcome thank you so much for having me Huge thank you to my friend, Dr. Drapeza. I loved our time together and this conversation. I think that it's so valuable to just share the basics of the information coming straight from the front lines without the fear, without the anxiety, just the information to protect yourselves and your families. Stay tuned for more as we continue COVID-19 from the front lines. See you soon.